start of the Toronto Maple Leafs playoff journey. It's the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We made it, folks. The march to the big dance? Is that still the same thing? In- Is it a dance? I don't know. There were last dance vibes, but those last dance vibes were last year, weren't they? We begin the journey. The second last dance. Mm. Will there be a third? Ooh. Don't ask questions that... It's a multi-layered question. The tarot cards. We can't bring those back. Well, well yeah. We'll let the, the spirits decide interested. if we need to deal with that tomorrow. Or next week? Two weeks from now? Well, we made it, folks. Maple Leafs start... Game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight against Tampa Bay Lightning, and Justin and I will be in attendance. Mm. What a night we ahead. We weaseled our way into the arena somehow, which is very exciting. Somehow we've got the big invite to sit in the big old press row. Invite or do we invite ourselves? I don't know. The invite came across the email. I don't know how it happened, but I said, yep, I'll be there. I might have invited us. Yeah. I don't know if they're just like, let's, let's have those two talked about. Kyle Dubas's demise yesterday. I will say the invite came before the tarot card meetings. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's, I'm excited. What, I'm fired up. What is the feeling for you, though? Is there a pit in the stomach or is it just Man, pure I'm, excitement I'm excited and joy? today. Really, it's like... Have you it feels like a, you, it feels like a blank your... slate coming in. Okay, really. that's good. Blank slate I hope, is good. I hope the other the players on the ice feel that way, too. But it just there's a different level of confidence. And I'm not just saying it for me, but I'm saying... I'm seeing the majority of the people online, the people I follow, which is a lot of... That's the thing. Well, it's a lot of people that are obviously Toronto-based, but, you know, people that don't live in the city of Toronto. I almost feel like it's stronger outside the Toronto base or the Toronto core. The folks that cover the game not in the city of Toronto have a lot of faith in this Maple Leafs team being bigger, better, stronger, more confident, ready to rumble, ready to slay the Dragons. So, I mean... If the insiders say it's going to happen, it's going to happen, Justin. If it truly is a blank slate, I mean, there's no excuse, right? Like, the the caveat for all this is like, yeah, the Leafs should win, but historical context, Mm -hmm. both teams, one being immensely successful, the other being not successful at all. So blank slate would be the best thing, the best possible thing for this Leafs team. Because, yeah, if you look at it objectively, and we'll talk about it with our guests, we got a good guest list Mm -hmm. today. But if you look at it objectively, it's hard to put the Lightning on par with the Maple Leafs. But again, there's all that other stuff. It's not a clean slate. Not the cleanest of slates. We will take your calls as well later in the morning at 730. We'll give you the lines, the numbers to call in. Uh, we want to hear from you. We're just going to open it up and just catch the vibe. How, how are Leafs fans feeling this morning? Is this the year? Is this the round? you got to win 16 games from now until the end of the playoffs, to hoist the Stanley Cup, can they do it? Where's your level of confidence? Is it really that different of a team? We'll take your calls at 7.30 in the morning. We got Luke Fox joining us at 7. And Steve Dangle, the pulse of how the Leafs nation is feeling at 8 a.m. And then Thomas Caberlet is going to join us at 8.30 before we do the little mm-hmm. baby wake and rake. What a get. Great lineup. Big, big day in Leafs nation today. Thomas Caberlet, Luke Shen's neighbor. What's it like being neighbors with Luke Shen? How did the driveway shoveling go? That's what I'm curious about. I guess Luke would have missed out on most of that. Although, are we getting snow soon it's here? Are, are they going to be? Is Thomas Caberlet going to be shoveling for Luke Shen just to make sure that you know the backs, you know, not a good tight. teammate would do that. Yeah, I think so. I could see him. Thomas Caberlet on the last Maple Leafs team to win a round in the playoffs. There we go. It's perfect. How and do they do it? He's since won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. It's been a lot of stuff that's happened since that time. So. 
Well, last night we got to kick off the Stanley Cup playoffs with four games. Um, the Bruins won. Carolina won. The late night games, though. Minnesota in a double OT defeat of the Stars. And then in another OT game, just one. Kings mm-hmm. beat the Oilers. So yeah. kicking things off with a couple different uh, results that maybe we had thought. I think my two Western Conference finalists, we filled out our bracket yesterday, lost last night, which is not a great start. Uh, another disappointing one for Edmonton, giving up a game-tying goal with 17 seconds left, losing in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, they blew a two-goal lead in the third with like lead. eight minutes left. Yeah. And then Dallas and Minnesota looks like it's going to be a dogfight. It does not look like that one's going to be easy for the mm-hmm. Dallas Stars. Uh, there's some dramatics with Matt Dumba laying a massive hit on Joe Pavelski. So we are already it's getting feisty. We are already on. in playoff hockey. It's it's could not be more evident. That Boston Florida game uh, understandably had a little bit more of my attention early on. Um, mm-hmm. Jays didn't start till eight, so it was good to get a little bit of East Coast hockey in. Uh, that looks like it's going to be a fun, gritty series as well. Give, give me give me some takes on that. You, you feel any better about the Leafs after watching that? Oh, I'm too early to say so. I mean, uh, I would say the, the they, Boston Bruins are a little, they're down bad right now. They have a big bug going that through is the important dressing room. to remember, yes. The guys aren't feeling the, the healthiest right now. Mm-hmm. They did miss Patrice Bergeron yeah, last night. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to wait to make my judgments on the Boston Bruins. I'll just say they looked human last night. They didn't yeah. look like an historically brilliant team by what we saw last night. It was night. a very physical game between the two of them. It didn't look like they were able to at all times match that like level of intensity that Florida will be a tough out. Like this isn't going to be a sweep central. I say that now Alex Lyon made some unbelievable saves and then also made some, Oh, you're like your first five games in the NHL. Yeah. I I think it could be a sweep, but it's going to be a hard earned sweep because Florida give them credit. I mean, they really, really matched Boston physically. And I think that's the blueprint, right? Like if you let Boston just be bullies out there, they're going to beat you. Because they can just do whatever they want, and they can overmatch you physically, and that will lead to good things happening for them. But Florida stood toe-to-toe with them, Mm -hmm. and I think that got them not only in the game, but had them kind of dominating the run of play for a large portion of that game. Although, it seemed like the better chances went to Boston, the breaks went to Boston. That crowd was, well, it's just... What a day in Boston do they yesterday. Do, the, do they do Cochise is the song, I think, that they, they play? What? Did you see the opening Cochise? yesterday? Cochise? Cochise. What did you just say? I think it's Cochise. I, I can tell you what that word is that you just said. I, I don't know what it is either, but it's the song that they play. Did you see the opening? Because you went oh, to a Boston montage, game this year. The montage on the television. No, the, when, they, when they skate out on the I don't ice. know, man. I don't remember. You say I'm not the music guy. Audio Slave. It's a big, yeah, yeah. It's a good Audio oh, Slave song. Yes, I'm, I know what it looks like written on my iPhone, but I've never like. Okay, so there never you heard go. Say it out okay, loud. so you just like decided to never try to pronounce it. No, I exactly didn't. Okay, ever so you know the that. song. Did they play that in the regular I don't season remember. when you were there? I don't remember. Sorry. Well, maybe they I did might because have been I don't know how you TD could Garden. not remember that. I don't remember walking around TD Garden early. Having Sixteen ounce Trulies. There's some some big bevies. Um, but no, the, the vibe at, I've been to playoff games, and so have you, mm-hmm. at the Garden, and it, it is, is a level of yes. intensity that I hope we see tonight. And that's kind of where I was getting at before I said coaches. Uh, yeah, they, like, it's just, it's a different world. And I think they do it all the time, but playoff games in Boston are intimidating, and I will round this off by giving mm-hmm. Florida credit for not being intimidated, knowing they are the worst team, knowing that really they have no chance, even if they play they fought, like, really, really well. they fought, like, the nail to get into and the playoffs, and I think that actually and that they bodes the well last to them. Night. And I, I think, you know, the best thing that the Leafs could hope for was, is Florida making it really, really difficult on them 
and having them feel that mm-hmm. series when they inevitably move on? Yeah, and they will. But I was impressed with the level of effort because sometimes you make yourself, oh, yeah, I got into, we got into playoffs. Thank God for Matthew Kachuk's dad <laughs> who came in and reamed us out. Mm-hmm. and uh, helped us get our way into the playoffs. You're right in the back of a- Alex Lyon. Yeah, your guy was up and down last night. Yeah, and that's fine. And it then, is. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's not going to beat the Boston Bruins, but it's fine. No, it's not. But he had some really big saves. Anyway, Boston and Florida, I think, will be a fun one. Um, I did do Bunker's Bracket yesterday. I just want to give that uh, what, what did he go? I mean, it's serious picks, but did he, did he have a successful night? Did he have a strong night? He did. Remember, he picked the Kings over yeah, but what the, about the Oilers. Other ones? He had mostly favorites. He picked favorites. So, you so just, three and one bunker. Night people though. are a little controversy thinking that he, you know, only went to the right. Like well, he's, he did, he did he's right paw right. dominant. I'll tell you, I measured it out. Perfect alignment for the pathway alignment? to both the left and the right okay. pieces of paper. The home and away. The home ice advantage, the favorites. He just felt like he was leaning right, like picked a lot of faves. He's not risking the angles then. The biscuit. Because the angles looked like he was kind of going straight for the right one. I could not have measured it more. I was worried that that was going to be the yeah, way the, that she went. The ruler out there. And he, that's what Bunker thought. And we'll see how it bodes. Yeah, but you he did something pick about your dog, right the Kings dominant, over right the Oilers, dog. which was a big upset. So we'll see. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, he did pick the Maple Leafs, though. So people were like, oh, redemption. Redemption for what? Our tarot. Okay. Um, all right. So Carolina and the Islanders. That was kind of a, a no. It, was, it was a bit boring, but like Carolina is not gonna. It's not gonna be a breeze. Put it that way. And I texted you this, and I'm, I'll put it out in the universe now. Before the brackets closed, I did some rejigging of my picks, and I rejigged to pick the Islanders over the Hurricanes. Oh, uh, what were your other changes? Um, I also rejigged to pick the Jets. Okay. Yeah. So, so you just, did you follow, no, you didn't follow Bunker. You actually went the opposite way. Yeah, I did. I, Cause yesterday uh, doing it live on the air, it's just like, ah, we have all the same picks. I went back and I thought there are some things that I feel a little bit. Well, let's take the two worst teams about. in the playoffs. Why not? We can't have <laughs> the same fine. thing, Justin. That's fine. I mean, uh, it's, we can, but yeah. if you don't want to, we don't have to. I'll it's just take the uh, number one seats. That's lame. We're going to go with one or two upsets this playoffs. Okay. Uh, that's your look at bas- last night at uh, game night one. We've got another full slate tonight. The big one, of course, 7.30 p.m. Tampa Bay rolling into town against the Maple Leafs. <sighs> Couldn't be uh, more excited, personally. We're going to get your texts in at 595.90. We'll get your calls in at 7.30. Start sending those in if you want to have them read on the air. How are you feeling this morning? Where's the vibe at? What do you need to see in game one? Because game one obviously sets the tone, duh, for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the rest of the series, like Maple Leafs earned home ice advantage. They have this opportunity to come to set, you know, a good pace for themselves to come out and build some confidence. So what does that look like? Obviously a win, but like which, what, you know, tangible things are you looking for in tonight? Yeah, feelings, takes, concerns, comments, we'll take it all. Uh, whatever's on your mind this morning as you wake up, with the Maple Leafs on a playoff day, like we don't we don't get many of these. Of course, we only get what seven guaranteed a year. Hoping for more this year, but it's it's a pretty special night. It's not every day the Maple Leafs play in a playoff game. So let us know how you feel. Uh, we're excited for it. All right, so tonight on Sportsnet, four games on the schedule. First up, we do have the Rangers and the Devils. That's a 7 p.m. on Sportsnet 360. That one is going to be, I hope, a seven game series between these guys. It's going to be feisty. It's going to be fierce. 
I got the Devils in seven, so do you. So hoping to see that uh, kick off with a lot of fire. And then at 7.30, we're going to have game one with the Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. That's on Sportsnet and CBC. And then followed by Winnipeg Jets, Vegas Golden Knights. That's 9.30 on Sportsnet West. And the nightcap, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche, begin their title defense against the Kraken at 10 p.m. On Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet now, different channels because obviously the Blue Jays will be on as well. So make sure you know where you're going to get your games. I would say I think it's been a very quiet Stanley Cup uh, reigning Colorado Avalanche coming to this. A lot of people just like think that they're washed. We'll see how they look tonight against the Seattle Kraken. But I think that uh, I'm feeling that way. We'll see if they can impress in game one i'll be interested to see how that one goes yeah not that i'm like invested like emotionally but i'm kind of nervous about how dismissive everyone that's what is I mean. are, like are we just been like, like ah, they're like are we all they'll, morons they'll get through round one but like that's it there's like, a good, i feel that way there's a good possibility we're all morons and then we'll get that reminder yeah. although i don't know if they can really prove anything about their longevity in these playoffs against the kraken like they can they can win they can lose uh they can win in dominant mm-hmm. fashion but they'll still have to run into really really good teams after that so we'll see exactly what they have left in the reserve uh i don't know if we'll find it out tonight find that out tonight rather but uh yeah that's one of the more intriguing teams mm-hmm. because i think we're all sleeping just a little bit on colorado all right so last night we got games one um of the stanley cup playoffs which you also got Game one of the Toronto Blue Jays and the Houston Astros, and that was over uh, real early. <laughs> yeah, easy to make decisions last night wow. on Sportsnet now. Uh, did not have to take, or didn't take much to have to turn the channel after Kevin Gosman gave up seven, was it seven earned? Seven, no, seven runs, six earned in the six first earned inning. Because there was a uh, little catcher interference. I was shocked at what I was witnessing with our guy, Kevin Gosman. Yeah, it was the, a little surprising. The steady... A lot surprising. Veteran point of this rotation came into last night. I thought, all right, here we go. Let's roll through. It's a big spot. It's Kevin Gosman. Confidence is high. Um, yeah. <laughs> Career high, eight runs, including seven in the first inning. They lose 9-2 in the series opener to the Houston Astros. Um, career worst in his r- runs allowed. He threw 55 strikes on 93 pitches. I will say after that first inning, he found a little bit of resolve, but it's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's over. It's and over. Especially against the Houston Astros uh, and Christian Javier. Uh, yeah, I mean, like every starter now for the Blue Jays is at a complete blow up, which makes the record, which makes their start pretty impressive because they've basically been non-competitive. So 10 and 7. In five games, right? Like non-competitive. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if your starter does not give you a chance... Uh, it's kind of like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll prepare for tomorrow. Hopefully we get a little bit of a better uh, start out of our guy or our next man up. And it's you, you look around, it's like, okay, it's you're allowed to have a blow-up each, a couple per season, mm-hmm. 100%. But now this is every guy who's hit that check mark uh, early on in the season. And I guess you say Kikuchi, maybe not, not the most consistent, but his blow-up was the least. He should be number one in the rotation at this point. <laughs> and, and again, like, it's... That's the thing. It's it's just like Kevin Gosman's not going to have many outings like that. But you need reliability. You need to just be able to count on things. And not to say that you can't count on Kevin Gosman anymore. Of course you can. That feels like the blip of all blips. Mm-hmm. But this is like, it's just like every night you don't know what you're going to get from this starting rotation. And it's frankly concerning. Especially when you were expecting to know what you were going to get yesterday with Kevin Gosman. Uh, just honestly, like it's... It is one of those flushable games. I have an extreme level of confidence in Kevin Gosman. It was just crazy to watch. I thought 
wow, we should be, I have a new proposal for the wake and rake. You know, the Nerfie, well, the Yerfie, yes, for a run in the first inning should be our new pick because the Toronto Blue Jays have tied for the Red Sox, the worst first inning ERA really? in the MLB, 11.65 ERA wow. in the first inning. So if you're looking for a new bet to ride, at least until things get a little bit more solidified with the starting rotation, a year fee, a run in the first inning, and maybe we look at locking that in. Yeah, we're going to have to probably pocket that. That makes a lot of sense given that what we've seen. I don't know. It's a pretty bad way to start your games. Like, I mean, it's a long game. There's nine innings, but you get blown up. Not even blown up. Like, obviously, last night's, I think, an outlier. <laughs> Eight, mm-hmm. seven runs in the first inning is 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 quite a lot. I don't and see like that being replicated. Non-competitive in the inning, too. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, a couple bloops, and then you gave up one bad mistake. It was just like, nothing is working here. Like, this is... This is falling apart very, very quickly. But even just, yeah, 11, 11.65 ERA in the first inning of each game. Obviously, yesterday helps tip that a lot higher. But being behind early on in most of these games is a real tough way to start a game. But I will say that the Blue Jays have found some resilience. They found a way, obviously, last night excluded, to come back. They've had a lot of comeback wins already. They've found ways to win games from behind. That's a really good mark of a team that's dialed in in terms of, like, leadership and finding a way through things it's early on in the season but if i'm looking for a a glimmer of confidence it's maybe there's a little bit of unity in that dugout like that clubhouse to say all right like we're getting behind we found a way to come back we've had some resilience last night wasn't the case they went one for ten in the top third of the batting order like they need to get some offense but when you're down seven nothing to start a game maybe you're feeling all right this one's out of reach like you're a little bit less dialed um but i will say blue jays traditionally this season have found ways to come back and win with the worst era in the first inning so I don't know, looking for something to to find tangible about the way that they started 10 and 7 and 100%. won I mean, a couple games the like The starting that. pitching has been bad to start the season, if not bad, like disappointing at the very, very, very least. And you mentioned the first run, I mean, that's, or the first inning rather, that's really, really difficult to come overcome over and over and over again. And yet here they are standing at 10 and 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look forward to this road trip. It's difficult. I mean, now you're trying to salvage, I think, like, can you get two out of four? You want to get two out of four for sure. Three and three seems ambitious uh, to close after, yeah. you know, wasting the Gosman start. I guess you will get another one at Yankee Stadium. Um, but yeah, there are some things that this team needs to iron out. But the fact that they've been able to do more than tread water is definitely encouraging. So back um, tonight, three-game series against the Astros, 8 p.m. on Sportsnet 1, Sportsnet Now, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590 in the Sportsnet app. It will be Chris Bassett. On the mound today, uh, one and two with a 763 ERA. So I have seen more positive signs from Chris Bassett since the beginning of the season. So it's got a big spot tonight, certainly to continue that. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, up from his debut, but you couldn't not go up from his debut That's because right. it was that bad. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely shown signs of being the guy of last year as opposed to the the first impression. Uh, so we'll see if you can continue that momentum. All right, let's shift to the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto oh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. They held their final pre-practice, pre-playoff practice yesterday. Lots um, of practicing, eh? They, they kind of like pedaled to the metal over the weekend. Three, you, three straight practices, no day off. There. I don't think they're like running, you know, running shuttles. I kind of, I kind of expected them to have the day off yesterday. Just saying. Here are their lines from Monday because this is the most recent 
sample of what we might see tonight. Bunting, Matthews, and Marner. Mm-hmm. Tavares, O'Reilly, and Nylander. Kerfoot, Achari, and Yarncroke. Zach Aston-Reese, Camp, and Lafferty. Any quibbles there? No. You like it? We're doing O'Reilly second line. I think you like that a little bit with the Tavares sheltered or no? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you couldn't, it would have been insane to come back this year after it failed mm-hmm. so spectacularly, so spectacularly last year to do the exact same thing. Now it wasn't the exact same thing because Tavares had four different wingers at times in the series yeah. last year. Uh, so they did try things, but nothing worked. And what they landed on was, you know, Nylander and Kerfoot, I believe, uh, to close. And that didn't work. So doing that precise thing mm-hmm. would have been uh, an interesting decision from Sheldon Keefe. I'm glad that they're able to tacitly admit that there was an issue and try to fix it with Ryan O'Reilly. I wouldn't be surprised if, and this might lead into our next discussion with our keys to Leafs Lightning, that we might see uh, O'Reilly third line center at some point just to like keep that strength down the middle. This is how things look like they're going to shake out game one. See how it goes. I think that obviously if you get a win and things are rolling, you see a little consistency. But I know that that's part of well, your... Well, yeah, I think I think that's a jump point to what we're doing mm-hmm. here with the three keys because that's my number one key is kind of the opposite So of we're going to do three keys to Leafs Lightning. We've picked three things that we think will be, I don't know, X factors, mm-hmm. important things for the Maple Leafs to do mm-hmm. to win this series. To have a different result. Uh, my number one, yeah, as mentioned, you know... Okay, so you got the option to do things. That's great. But I think the number one thing, especially for Sheldon Keefe in this series, is to resist the urge to make changes and to trust what you have. Uh, Last year, he was reactive, reflexive, antsy even, unsettled, uncertain, whatever you want to call it. He, He was all those things against the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. After wins and losses, he seemed to be searching for something rather than trusting what he had. And there are tons of examples of this, but Alex Kerfoot in the first four games played on four different lines. He went from the first line to the second line to the third line before being promoted back up to the first line in game four. Bunting, scratch to first line to fourth line. Nylander started on the third line. Kasha went from the second line to the fourth line. Engvall demoted. Spezza and Hall came in after sitting the Mm. first two games. Like it was complete chaos with everything that they were doing from a lineup perspective. And I think that was, that ultimately set them up for failure. Like, that is too much change. You cannot be just blender every night and expect to have some semblance of consistency. Now, this year, I mean, at last year, I think it was born out of necessity. Like, they weren't as good. They didn't have sure things. They didn't have things that they could trust clearly because Sheldon Keefe didn't trust it. This year, it should be easy to trust. There's no excuse not to trust it. This team is more trustworthy. They are deeper. They have more utility everywhere in the lineup. There is the Matthew Nyes temptation, which I feel like will get the better of Sheldon Keefe at some point. I, like, I just, I see it. I see it happening for sure, whether there's pressure from management or not. I think he's going to go to that eventually. But whether you win or lose, Sheldon Keefe, at least early on the season, or the series rather, has to resist the urge to make changes because you just read that lineup and I don't see a weakness and they have to trust what they have because they've put so much effort into building what they will actually have on night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Trust it. That's the most important thing for Sheldon Keefe. I think the blender situation that we saw throughout the last uh, three weeks headed into the playoffs was an outlier because it was load management and it was let's get some new faces in the lineup Let's find some chemistry. 
things don't matter right now. But if we see that early on in the series, we, it was a huge dis- a discussion point between us and everybody in Toronto. It was like, stop doing this. Like, let's let the guys get some chemistry. Well, maybe you've been able to see things at work through that process that made everybody frustrated, but you're right. This is a full new season. You don't have time to mess around. It needs to be solidified, confidence in that. Let the players feel confident in each other as well and say, hey, we're stuck. This is us. Like, we're going to find a way through this. We do have a text in about Yarn Croak and Matthews. I wonder why, what your thoughts are on them not being together after they played pretty well down the stretch as linemates. I think it's more of a bunting decision than anything. Like, there was a lot of, like, there was some disciplining going on with Michael Bunting, right? And yeah. I think it was building to this moment. Like, you have to be this rather than that, and we're going to take your cookies away if you're not in column B. Um, ultimately, I do like the option, but the option only exists if you drop down Marner, I think. Because Bunting has not been effective unless he's playing with Austin Matthews. And all these things are connected, right? So mm-hmm. I do think that's an option that they can go to. But again, I think you should be resisting yeah. the urge to pursue those options because like the, the the last thing I want to see is just like, oh, Michael Bunting makes a mistake. Fourth line, let's take everyone out of the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Let's change everything because Michael Bunting made a mistake. I think that's the number one thing they have to avoid. And if things get desperate, if it's 3-1 lightning after four games, Okay, well then, then maybe you're doing yeah. something to seriously ch- shake up the roster. But for now, I think you have to trust what you have. And when it comes to the first line in Matthews, you should be able to trust that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are going to carry you through. And Michael Bunting has been proven to work on that line and has proven to not really work anywhere else. Okay, so your first key to the series was resisting the urge to make changes. Uh, my first one is winning the depth battle. Now, if you look at the top three goal scorers, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos. We've got 41% of Tampa's goals this year. If you look at the Leafs' top three goal scorers, Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares, they have 41% of mm. Leafs' goals this year. That is exactly the it's same. It's good stuff. So if you cancel those ones out, and I know Marner wasn't included in that because he's not in the top three goal scorers, but points for sure. You look at the bottom six of both of these teams, the Maple Leafs are better. They've actively went out to bolster their depth. So that needs to be a strong point of this series. Should I remind you about Nick Paul? No. The Maple Leafs need to have their own Nick Paul. And I just read the lines. We've got Kerfoot, Achari, Yarncroak, Zach Asenreef, Camp, Lafferty. You might have Nyes. That's a better bottom six to eight than what the Tampa Bay Lightning have. So that needs to be a strong point. All eyes, deservingly so, will be on the core four and the top six for both of these teams. Jam-packed with star power. So you never should underestimate... The power of a fourth line grind, spoken from a former fourth line grind myself. So I think that winning the depth battle is certainly a very important facet of this series for the Maple Leafs. If you can do that, you at least eliminate the Nick Paul feeling in game seven. I think that that is a huge area of focus for this series for the Maple Leafs. Yeah. And if you don't win it, you certainly can't lose it, right? Mm. Like that was kind of the difference. I mean, the Maple Leafs depth in the last three, four games of the series last year did nothing. There was no contribution whatsoever. And that's why that Nick Paul goal and the Nick Paul contributions uh, are so important because that was the advantage. Uh, the Maple Leafs top guys weren't able to create advantage and therefore the disadvantage out of the bottom six is what ultimately buried them. So I think you nailed it. I, I still think there's so much on Matthews and Marner. Matthews mm-hmm. and Marner producing on the road I think is massive. They only had uh, a goal and three combined points in Tampa in last year's series, scoring on the power play still 
so, so important because it's been an area of concern for them. Uh, but if you can get some goals from the bottom six, if you can win that battle, it takes so much of the pressure off. All right, your second key to the series. I'm going to say game two, but that's ultra specific. Okay, But yeah. like if you look at game two, if they win game one, game two I think is going to tell you a lot. Mm-hmm. If they lose game one, well, you got to win game two. So I think game two is ultra important, but I just really want to underscore performances after a victory. Now this is, I guess, a little presumptive that they'll win game one. I do like them in game one, but most specifically performing after you have a win is one of the most important things, I think, for the Maple Leafs. Their record in the Stanley Cup playoffs after a win in the Matthews and Marner era is four and 12. Oh. These victories have come versus Washington and Montreal. Three of those victories have come against Washington and Montreal. So against Boston, against Tampa, it's been a very, very... It's a bit of a massive issue. Mm-hmm. They cannot follow up one of their own victories with another one, and stringing together victories is very, very important in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were 0 for 3 after winning last year's playoffs. They were non competitive in games two and four, non competitive yeah. with chances to take strangleholds in the series. They went up 1 nothing. They were brutal in game two. They went up 2 1. They were not very good in game four. If they change that narrative, they have two chances to do it. If they played better in one of those two games or if they played as good as they did in games one and three in those games, we're not talking about this because they're probably up 3-1 and they're home and cool going to the second round. The record after a loss is strong, but alternating wins and losses is not going to get it done. This team has to find a way to sustain its level, to absorb the counterpunch, to put its foot on the opponent's throat. That's like the most important thing. They have to show that killer instinct. They have to be killers so if they win game one, you got to win game two. You got to eventually buck this trend where you follow up a great performance with another great performance. Mm-hmm. That's one thing the Leafs cannot do for whatever reason. They cannot string victories together. If they do that at any point, it didn't work against Montreal. It'll work next time. What around. do you think that reason is? Rewatching is the first four games of the series. You can see the you can see the urgency. I, mm. I you, is it just like this subconscious thing where it's like we ha, like we're ready. We have to start strong. We need to win this series, and then you have a good result and your level dips five percent. I'm not really sure. Is yeah. it un, is it just the fact that they're a little unlucky that a goal goes in against them in game two? After they did have a good start in the first period of game two, then they get scored on. And it's like oh, a little deflated. Maybe it's just more of an acceptance. I'm not really sure what it is, but they have to find a way to be at 99% and then next game be at at least 98. Like, you got to be as good as you were because that's what great teams do. That kind of plays into what my third key is. Um, But I'm going in order of, like, importance here. So for me, it's, and this seems cliche, but special teams, right? Of course, you want to win. You want to have the best players and you want to win special teams. but. See how many penalties has, were called early on? Exactly. Series? It has yet to be a strong point of the Leafs playoff stories. That has to change. They are coming into this with the second best power play percentage in the season, um, in regular season with the 26. Tampa's right behind them with 25.4. So mm-hmm. if it's going to come down to one outperforming the other, you both are coming in with a very strong level of success. But in the six playoff series, the Leafs have played since 2016, 2017. Six playoff series, their power plays only outperformed their opponents once. And that was in Columbus in the qualifying round. And they still only went two for 13. Wow. So since the current core has been a part of the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, they've gone 19 for 133 
on the playoffs, which is 16%. So that's a significant drop-off from what you're doing in the regular season. It looks like they've swapped Ryan O'Reilly and Nylander on PP1, PP2. So maybe that's something that triggers some success like into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But both of my one and two factors are capitalizing on small advantages. If that's just the bottom six, if that's winning a playoff or winning the power play battle between two teams, like they're small advantages. But if this is as head to head, as tight as a series of, we're going to see maybe seven games like last year, it could be one power play goal that makes a big difference. It could be one massive PK. If this is going to be a ref, a game that's ref like we saw last week or a week and a half ago, you might have a lot of power play penalty kill opportunities. If they throw the whistles away in the series, even more important that if you get one or two opportunities on the power play that you dial it in. So it seems cliche, but if you get a moment, a tiny bit of advantage against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you need to capitalize. Yeah, I think I think your stat is better. I'll just add this. Uh, last two playoffs, the Maple Leafs have outscored the competition just 7-2 to two on their own power plays in 90 minutes. So seven goals in 90 minutes over the, on the power play over the last two years. Boston, by contrast, is a plus 18 in 98 mm. minutes. So, you know, Boston's had some success in the playoffs for the last few years, uh, and they find a way to capitalize on those small opportunities, mm-hmm. as you put it, to take an advantage. Um, Last one. my third one? Yeah. Uh, so, again, the power play could be an issue after. Like, it could be something we talk about because I'm talking about how if you are – the definition of insanity, same second line, getting the same results. Well, that power play is virtually unchanged. I know you mentioned O'Reilly for Nylander, but it's still Morgan Riley quarterbacking, Mm -hmm. and there's still some questions about whether or not he's an elite power play quarterback. But I'll digress on this. The second line, I think, is more important just because most of the game should be played at five-on-five. We'll see how much that proves to be true. But the, the second line is the key to the series for me from like a matchup standpoint and turning a liability into a weapon. Uh, I mentioned earlier Tavares lineups, our line mates in last year's playoffs, Kasha, Mikheyev, Nylander, Kerfoot, no combination worked. There was, you know, there was some Kerfoot and Nylander. There was some Mikheyev and Kasha. There was some Mikheyev and Nylander. They tried a lot around John Tavares and nothing, at least in the first four games of the series worked at all. They were brutal. They were complete non-factors. The second line in the first four games of the series, they came on a little bit from a production standpoint, or I guess more specifically, John Tavares did. But John Tavares finished with the worst expected goals percentage at five on five among all top nine forwards in the series. He was, I guess by that measure, the least effective top nine forward who played in that series. And I think we, this is why we are seeing a change uh, at positionally for John Tavares <laughs> and in terms of his realities and insulation with Ryan O'Reilly coming in. Tavares needed help. Kyle Dubas went out and got some. Now it'll be a stacked second line with guys who would have been on Olympic teams last year if they mm. went. Ryan O'Reilly, who won a Conn Smythe Trophy four years ago. William Nylander, who scored 40 goals this year. This has to be the swing. Like, if there's a difference in talent this year, which the numbers suggest they are, this is where it should be shown. The second line, as constructed this way, has to win its matchup. That means Tavares has to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem last year. Good opposition is unavoidable versus Tampa Bay, so you have to find a way to overcome it. I think a stacked second line, there's no excuse to not overcome it. The second line creating an advantage, being a weapon rather than a liability, that's the key for the Leafs from a matchup standpoint. All right. I'm bought in. Okay. That second line. You got second game and second line being very important. Second game, second line. I like that. Okay, my final one, belief. 
B-E-L-E-A-F. Belief. Okay. I think it's between the ears. From the outside looking in, everybody's believing in this Leafs team, as we have blindly, but this year feels different. Everything about this team looks different. You just line, you just lay out their second line as a small example of why. They've fixed holes. They've found a way to make their team better from top to bottom. They've weathered storm this year. They've had players that have outperformed our expectations. There's a level of confidence coming into this season, uh, this postseason. It's about finding mental toughness. You've added veteran voices. You've added proven winners. You have experience in that locker room. It's about shutting out what's going on outside, not believing in the pressure, being too big for the moment. Everyone's a year older. There's more fire. There should be more determination to win. Not listening to psychics. You need to win. You need to come into every game with way more confidence than the team across from you who just went to three Stanley Cup finals. If you can do that and have that belief, I think you can win the series. I want to play one clip as well. Sheldon Keefe, yesterday we talked about pressure makes diamonds in you know, 1967, mm-hmm. et cetera. Here's Sheldon Keefe on pressure. No, we've had lots of practice here just in getting ourselves prepared uh, and focused on what matters. Uh, and that's really it. You know, they're the things uh, we can control that are right in front of us, take care of everything else. The pressure is a privilege. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are not playing hockey this time of the year that have no pressure, and they have no pre- privilege or opportunity to compete in the playoffs with the type of team that we have. So we're, we're excited to get going. Pressure is a privilege. I love that. We used to say that when I was at college. Mm-hmm. If you were in a game, an opportunity that you felt pressure... That's where you. That's the difference between winners and losers. If you can find a way to harness that in a positive, so pressure is privilege. You and Sheldon both quoting the great Billie Jean King. That's uh, right. It is a privilege. They are in a privileged spot to play for this team. Uh, and we've talked about like what the fans deserve, what they're owed. They're owed an honest effort. They're owed that sort of outlook. That pressure is a privilege. That you are lucky to be in the position where you can become kings. Right? Mm. Are you going to shy away from that or are you going to embrace that? Are you going to finally give the city what it deserves? Or are you going to crumble? Two more honorable mentions. Okay. Scoring first, very important. Lightning, Lightning had the icebreaker in the final four games what about of the scoring series. Scoring second. <laughs> Equally important. <laughs> uh, and also, so I had this like thought in my head that Jack Campbell was not nearly part of the problem last year. Mm. He wasn't that great. Ilya Samsonov can be better. Ilya Samsonov can give you an upgrade on what you had in goal last year. Ilya Samsonov is as important as any player who's going to play in this series, and he can give you more than you got last year. We'll see if he can deliver that. I mean, we could pick goaltending as one of the major keys to this series on both sides of the ice. You've got Ilya Samsonov. I like how we didn't, though. Yeah, no, I think there's, there's obviously, you could be like, oh, Matthews Marner, they need to be the best players on the ice. They do. They need to be the best players on the ice. Ilya Samsonov needs to find a way to continue the success he's had in the season, especially on home ice. You get game one and game two, he's been damn good on home ice. So have the Maple Leafs in general. If he can find a way to not steal, but he's got to steal one of these games, right? Andre Vasilevsky can easily steal a game. He can steal a series. He can steal a Stanley Cup. Can Ilya Samsonov steal a game or two? That's extremely important for this Maple Leafs team. Hopefully they don't put him in a position where they need to steal a game. Yeah, he has it in him. We've seen flashes of that. We've seen a consistent 
level of confidence from Ilya Samsonov. He's got to believe in himself too. All right, we're going to take your calls at 7.30. Um, We want to get your vibe. We want to see how people are feeling this morning. Waking up, it's playoff hockey in the city of Toronto. Maple Leafs hosting the Tampa Lightning. That'll be at 7.30 tonight and 7.30 this morning. We'll take your calls. Um, We can also take your text in at 5.95.90. What are your keys to this series? How are you feeling this morning? Uh, We got one from Wes on the 400. Morning, my key is Marner. Two points. One, Keith needs to load manage burnout. And, men- and number two, mentally play bigger. When his reach in the stick plays out, when they don't, they, they get beat bad. Take the body and get in the way. So he's just straight up Marner key, and I like that. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Marner, uh, you know, start the playoffs last year, uh, scored early, and it was the immediate weight off his shoulder. Like mm-hmm. it had been oh, yeah, a long that. time between playoff goals for Mitch mm-hmm. Marner. And it was like, okay, we're good now. Mitch Marner's bumped that slump. And then he went quiet again. He's the MVP of the regular season. That doesn't matter now. Ty from Peterborough says, gotta be Leaf. Gotta be Grinders. Gotta win. It's it's that simple, honestly. Get that tattooed. Very fun. Okay. We'll take a break. We got the A-list on the other side. Phone lines will be open at 7.30. We'll talk to Steve Dangle at 8 o'clock. We've got Thomas Caberlet at 8.30. And then Luke Fox will give us the rundown, the X's and O's, how Leafs practice vibes were yesterday and what ways he might see this team being different against the Tampa Bay Lightning and back-to-back round ones in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, A-list on the other side of the break. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now it's time for hey, the A-list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. Stop, baby. All right, a reminder, keep your texts coming in at 595.90, your Leafs thoughts and vibes this morning. We'll take your calls at 7.30, so have a coffee, get your thoughts in order, and we'll chat then. For the A-list, I mentioned yesterday about the Oakland A's and how they are usually a hot topic on the A-list because they're always doing ridiculous things. And they're the A's. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Wow. Sponsored by the A's, the A-list. Um, they're having a tough go, to say the least. We talked about the possum roaming free in the broadcast booth. The fans are feeling so negatively about this team that they are planning a reverse boycott on June 13th. Explain what a reverse boycott is, please. They're planning to pack the stadium, reverse boycott it, because there's already not enough attendance, to show that they are not the problem with the franchise. They're going to fill the stadium on June 13th, mark it down, reverse boycott because the A's have been outdrawn in attendance by every one of their minor league affiliates at least once this season. <laughs> They're gross. exploring getting a new, uh, like, a new location. There's a lot of drama going on with the A's, and the fans aren't attending. But they're planning to pack it in and head down there on June 13th, which is like, what, two months away? It's like, okay, we're waiting anxiously. Mm. They've gotten off to a pretty tough start. I believe they're 3-13. and 13. They've got one of the worst, maybe the worst record of all of the MLB. People are getting fed up with the franchise, so they're planning a reverse boycott to take the heat off the fans and onto the ownership and the team. So the reverse boycott shouldn't just be like, okay, we all attend. It should be, you see that guy, I think it was Miami, hit a home run and didn't celebrate because, did you see that viral clip? The guy who just like stood up and walked into the dugout after hitting a home run? No, I didn't see that. Okay, so someone got thrown out of the game for for fist pumping after a strikeout. So this guy hit a grand slam, ran the bases, and acted mm. like, you know, just like stiff as a board until he got into the thing. 
very, very funny. But if the reverse boycott is well executed, you all show up, but there's no cheering. There's yeah, no like concessions. Silent. You just sit there, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like they won't do that, but that would be the best way because you're not giving them the money that they so need, <laughs> clearly, to get rid of possums. And then, you know, you're not cheering. I think that would be the proper reverse boycott. It's a shame, really, because it's a shame that they're bad and that they're an embarrassment because they have the maybe the best uniforms in all of sports. Well, that's a big statement. I do like them. The Matt Chapman pictures before he was a Blue Jay were like, oh, what's, you know, Matt Chapman, who's this guy? Him in that in that uh, green Oakland Athletics jersey. It is a stunning jersey. It is. It Matt is Chapman's certainly been beautiful. in only exclusively great jerseys. Yeah, it's true. I think is the best jersey in all of sports for my money. How about I say this? I think baseball has the best jerseys in all of sports. I agree. Hands down, there are some really nice baseball jerseys. What's your favorite? It's going to take me a minute or two to power rank them in my mind. They'd be in the top. Five Pittsburgh's a good Vincent one. Pittsburgh love. I really like the Cardinals. The Cardinals, Cardinals are, are nice. Obviously, Yankees iconic. Cubs iconic. Yeah, a little uh, simple. Yeah, but the pinstripe. I'm a sucker for pinstripe. I don't know. I like the Cardinals a lot. Jays are great too. Which one though? I've got a couple. I'm I'm Team Oakland. All right. Well, maybe we'll do this one day in a slow summer, mid July, when there's Let's legitimately nothing going on. But this. when we're doing A list hours, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today is just jersey rankings. Um, all right. Well, enjoy the reverse boycott in two months. That'll be a fun game. Can't wait to watch the Oakland A's on. Do it right, A's fans. The thirteenth. Um, all right. One more for you, Brian Windhorst. Last night or yesterday morning? Sorry, not last night because this is a morning story. So he's a. Featured on Get Up, which is an 8 a.m. show on ESPN. And he does a hit, obviously a big insider. He's asked to come on the show, yet he has to whisper on the show because of complaints from those in the same hotel as him. Uh, Here's Windhorse trying to... He doesn't sound like he's whispering too much, but he's on the television speaking. It's a little bit muted because he's going to get in trouble. Wendy... That's why I'm playing injured. I'm trying to figure out why are you the only one whispering? Everyone else is answering questions and talking. You're whispering. Why are you whispering? Well, we all have adverse situations, and apparently um, someone in the hotel room next to me was not a get-up viewer and not happy about uh, the early wake-up call here in Phoenix. And um, let's just say that um, messages have been delivered not in a soft manner. I'm trying to avoid um, having a rap on any part of my body. (laughs) Did the hotel manager tell you knock on your door and say quiet down in there? Uh, this individual did not contact the manager, but their point was made um, oh. very strongly. So I'm trying to respect my neighbors here in Phoenix before uh, 7 a.m. here. That's tough. That's he's very funny. Doing hits, whispering from his hotel room because obviously the time zone. He's in Arizona. Time zone's a little bit different from the East Coast. So he's just whispering. That would be like Brian Windhorst is maybe not the loudest guy that you'd see on that show, but I mean, this like it's get up, not first take. But what if Stephen A. Smith is traveling and he's oh full he's on ranting and he's beside your room at six a.m. Like that? That's an that's an issue. I will say though, you did the morning show mm-hmm. in your condo many a time. Mm-hmm. Were there ever any issues? No. Solid walls. I guess so. Yeah, we never we'd ever had issues. I would be I would be concerned about that because you're t- like 
you're talking normally, but you're t- we talk louder than we normally would. That's true. And you can't really tell because you have headphones in. So it's like, well, how loud am I speaking? Is this the volume I speak to you when we go off there? It's hard to tell. In my condo experiences, if someone was talking at like, you know, if there was some screaming, some yelling and screaming going well, on, screaming. you're going to hear it. Maybe but JD. You're, you're talking loud <laughs> enough that I'm surprised that no one in, in a lesser condo will say mm. people would hear you. So that could have been an issue. Good thing you had those good walls. Yeah. I could just imagine we get Elliot on, break some news, and he's like whispering. Actually, Kyle Dubas is was like, wait, speak up. Uh, no, Dubas, I heard. Uh, uh, I will say it's just as effective. I don't know why we're yelling and screaming in the mornings. We could probably. Oh, we got to wake everyone up. Yeah, I guess so. You can't listen to a soft morning show. We got to bring the fire. It's Leafs playoffs. Especially on Leafs playoffs. We got to hear you at 730. Like, let's tune it up here. Let's get you screen now. I can't. I can't encourage that. We have Steve Dangle at eight a.m. He will definitely bring. Yeah, risk some getting more. risk getting in trouble if you're in a condo. See if your neighbors are awake. Oh god! When you call in at seven thirty, we're gonna get noise complaints on the Fan Morning Show text line. Someone's listening. Like, I hear someone screaming on my phone at seven thirty on the air. Thanks for that. I've got a baby. Oh, sorry about that. All right, Luke Fox is gonna join us on the other side of the break. As we mentioned, seven thirty. We're gonna take your calls. Um, we'll give you the numbers for that. We'll want you to get in the queue early. We want to hear from you this morning. Headed into what could be the biggest and most important playoff series ever in Toronto. I don't know if it can get much bigger. Can it? To start, I mean, round one. Round two would be bigger. But we'll take your calls at 416-870-0590 or one 590 or simply star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. That'll be at 731. Hear from you. Happy game one morning. Grab your coffee. We'll chat at 730. We'll have Steve Dangle at 8, the pulse of how we're feeling this morning. And then we'll wrap up with Thomas Caberlet at seven or 830 in the morning. The last time the Leafs won... A playoff series, he was a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. What's that feeling like? Will we feel it again? That's all to come on the Fan Morning Show at Sportsnet 590 The Fan.